Welcome to the official Jets podcast. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport, but together at WinBet. Coming up, we'll be joined by Bart Scott. But first, we're going to start off with Ahmad Sauce the Gardner. What has it been like your rookie year, 15 games in now? Oh, man, it's been great. I mean, everything that I prayed for, everything that I thought it would be, you know, I can't really complain, man. You know, being able to just go out there on every, each and every Sunday and go against the best, man. So it's a true blessing. How did you find out about the Pro Bowl invite? Um, Who was the first person that told you? Uh, I want to say one of our media people. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was like the day, it was the day of type thing. Like, right, it was right before, you know what I mean? So I'm like, dang, he might be, he might just be playing, <laughs> you know? So I had to watch it on TV. And I seen it like it was that was great because that was one of my uh, individual accolades, you know, out of the three that I have. That's one of them. So that was a great start, man. That was a true blessing. What did it mean to you, even though you knew you had the invite in your pocket when you were watching the show and they actually announced your name? It was great, man. Uh, it meant a lot. But <clears throat> I seen when it was introducing the the guys, I was trying to see like if I was gonna be a starter or what it was gonna be. You know, so I remember texting. I text Jared. I'm like, am I a Pro Bowl starter? <laughs> and, like, I know the DBs was coming up, and he took too long to text me. So I'm like, man, hold on, man. They got to hurry up. So now I seen I was a starter. I'm like, man, that's real cool, man. Sure. You were a great college player. Never gave up a touchdown in your college career. What – did you anticipate as far as the transition is concerned? Because right now, after 15 games, you lead the National Football League in PDs, and now you're starting to get treatment like we saw we saw from a guy who was a great player here in years past, Darrell Rivas. Teams aren't throwing your way too often. Man, it means a lot, you know, I'm, you know what I mean, to be able to just do what I do as a rookie, but you know, I got to just keep staying humble. You know, because the moment I get too lax, too complacent, that's when, you know, teams going to go at me. But, you know, coming in, I definitely expected to be targeted a lot. You know, I expected for everybody to go to go at me each and every week because I'm a rookie. You know what I mean? But, you know, some games that I haven't, I didn't really get tried, you know, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. But, you know, that's sure a great sign of respect. You know, for me. It's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because after the Detroit game, you're saying, man, I was frustrated because nobody's even throwing my way. But that's such a sign of respect if they're not going to target your side. Uh, definitely. Uh, it go hand-in-hand. Mm-hmm. I just wanted that to be my best game, you know, of the season because it was Detroit. It was my hometown. So, you know, I wanted, it, I wanted to, you know, make a lot of plays. But, you know, I wasn't really just mad. But I was like, man, that was supposed to be the game for sure. What was it like for you to go home over Christmas weekend and spend some time with your family? And also, what kind of reaction do you get from people going back home? Oh, man. Uh, my city loves me, man. You know, growing up on the east side of Detroit, you know, they, they always loved me. You know, um, I can truly say my family probably had their best Christmas ever. And, you know, I just got to get thanks to the NFL, to the Jets. And the game of football because I honor it so much. And uh, the things that my family wanted, the kids, you know, I was able to make that happen. So, you know, that was great. And uh, I'm truly blessed for that. Your mom seems, uh, she means so much to you. What did you get her 
for this Christmas, your first one in the National Football League? Um, I just got her a, a mink coat. You know, her and my grandma, they always wanted, you know, a mink coat. You know, when I was growing up, they always like, yeah, I'm going to have get a mink coat, this, this, and that. That was it, for real. You know, she she has pretty much everything. Right. You know, so it's not really too much that I can get her. You know, she living she living a dream for sure. How much do you carry Detroit with you on the field? I carry Detroit a lot with me. You know, growing up, I never lived nowhere outside of Detroit. Like for as long as I was in Detroit, I always lived on the east side of Detroit. I always lived in like the toughest areas. I grew up. Uh, it's a place that's called Seven Mile on the east side. You know, and it was a tough area, a lot of violence going on, but, you know, like I said, that's why my mom is my role model. She my superhero because no matter, like, all that violence that was going on, my mom was strict, strict about it. She wanted me to, you know, take a different route, take a different, be on a different path, you know what I mean? So, like, I was one of them people who always wanted to be different. You know, my mom used to tell me, like, yeah, your friends, they do this, they do that. What are you going to do to be different if you want to, go where you want to go. You know, so I remember I could only control what I could control. So I said I was never going to smoke or drink. And I never did. I, I still never have. You know, uh, you know, I pride myself in stuff like that. Because I remember, like, in college, they used to try to peer pressure me. Not peer pressure. They used to like, man, just just, just drink. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, I'm a man of my word. And, uh, you know, that's why I appreciate my mom so much because – she was able to help guide me, you know, on 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 the right path. So, yeah. So determined, and you're seeing that success right now in the National Football League. Uh, one thing that I talked to Bart about is that mentality when you do come from Detroit, as far as talking, and how much that's part of your game. Can can you talk about how early you get the gift of gab? You know, as far as getting after people in in between those white lines? Um, I mean, if you're going to be confident, you got to just be confident. You can't, like, I hate those type of people who will be quiet the whole time and then they do something and then they get to talking. So if you're going to talk, man, you got to you gotta start and finish with it. But you got to back it up at the same time. So that's something that, like, I'm not going to say it's just a Detroit thing, but, you know, in Detroit, you, you got to have it with you or you it's going to be hard to survive you know, on the football field. Uh, so, yeah. Who has been the toughest guy for you to face this year? Yeah, because you've, you've seen really yeah. good receivers. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Diggs twice, Tyreek Hill. I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't know, man. I said the same thing in college at first, but I really don't know now. Like you said, I, didn't, I feel like I've went against – Besides Devontae Adams, who I think is like great receiver, I didn't win against pretty much every elite receiver in the league. But I feel like one receiver that goes on the radar is Amari Cooper. Mm. Like a lot of people, they say Justin Jefferson, which is y'all right. <laughs> Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, uh, Amari Cooper. I think Amari Cooper, like he liked that when it comes to running routes. You know, Diggs, Gabe Davis, and, and one, one, one person who I think don't get mentioned too much is T. Higgins. You know, because of Jamar Chase, but yeah. see Higgins, he he liked that, and I think he just uh, got a thousand receiving yards or something like that. Again, he liked that for sure. But I think I went against pretty much every elite receiver. You, you definitely did. 
What did some of those guys say to you after those performances? Did guys seek you out after the field? After you guys compete throughout the game? Or is it kind of like, hey, after that whistle blows, you all go your separate ways? Nah. I mean, a lot of them will come, come up to me. I'm personally not a guy that just goes looking for receivers. Right. You know, but, you know, a lot of them got respect for me. Uh, Diggs, he was a little upset the last time we played. <laughs> I don't know the reason, but... He just, he walked away, like as soon as the game was over with. So we didn't get to really chop it up. But like before the game, we we chopped it up. You no, know, we already knew we was gonna go at it. Right. But yeah, but a lot of those guys they respect me. I remember Chase. Uh, we chopped it up after the game. We was laughing, joking. But like between them white lines, we was we was going at it. You know, we was talking. Like he probably the first like elite receiver who I was like going at it with. Like as far as like we both was talking back and forth because I didn't know he was going to be no talking is you know right but he was but we was going at it for sure you guys the New York Jets have four players going to the Pro Bowl should it be at least five I'm talking about your guy DJ Reed man I was just about to say that like it hurt me you know as much as like that was one of my individual goals if I could I would want him to go you know he been in the league longer than me man and he uh the way he approached the game, the mentality that he have, the plays that he make week in and week out, I would get my Pro Bowl up for him. You know, man, he just worked so hard, and I just been able to just watch a guy like him bust his tail every week. No matter if his body a little sore from the last game, this, this, and that, when we get back in the building, he back to it. And I feel like he was the biggest Pro Bowl, which I, the snub, yeah. or, that was him. Like, he's the definition of that, man. Uh, man, it hurt me. You know, seeing like he was like an alternate. Or, it hurt me, man, because I know, I know he liked that. What do you think this week's going to be like for him? Going back to Seattle, a Seahawks team that he played with and he experienced his career breakthrough. <laughs> uh, it's going to be personal, you know. I think they let him go or whatever. Um, so I, I think it's going to be personal because I know if it was me, it's going to be personal. And I know the type of guy that he is. So he going he going to uh be up to the challenge. He going to uh, want to compete, you know, like he always do. You're a big dude. But he's not the biggest guy, but he he's got a lot of fight in him. How much do you appreciate the way he attacks on the outside and why is he able to win on the outside? Because most guys, you know this, if they have his body type, they're just throwing him in the slot. Where man, he first he's a strong guy. One he's strong Two, he got good footwork. Three, he got a, he know what's coming because he studied a lot of film. And four, man, he got heart. He got that dog in him. You know, that's what it really takes. He confident. And he got the mentality. Like, I, I was bombed this one. He gave up a, a pass. He gave up a catch. It wasn't no, no explosive catch, but my man ran like a crosser. His man caught the ball. He tackled and He like, do that again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm thinking like, man. He really got that dog in him, you know, to be able to just say that. Because when I give up a catch, I'm thinking, like, all right, I can't let that happen again. But like, he was like, do that again. So, like, now that's my mentality. Right. But I got it from him. You know what I mean? There's, like, a whole bunch of stuff that I could that I could learn from DJ, man. That's why I, I enjoy just being around him in, in the building and outside of the building, being able to learn from him. What do you think about the fans and the way they've gravitated towards you here? Man, they welcome me with open arms. You know, I can't complain, you know, um, being in a place like New York, 
I knew it was going to be a lot of pressure, you know, me having the name Sauce. I knew I was going to have a lot of opportunities. But I also knew it was going to be a lot of pressure. But, like, you know, I got to just stay where my feet are, you know, stay level-headed, you know, keep the main thing the main thing. But I truly appreciate, you know, the fans for supporting me, my teammates, you know, just being there for us, cheering us on the whole way. You said at the top three individual goals. One of them checked that box. What are the other two? Can you say it? Man... All right, so <laughs> Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and All-Pro. I remember uh, getting asked about what my goals were, and I didn't even know, like, how big each and every one of them was. I knew, like, Defensive Rookie of the Year because, like, I'm a rookie, but I was just naming stuff. Because I remember I used to just be, like, watching Jalen Ramsey, and he used to be like, man, I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, oh, he liked that. So I just said I wanted defensive rookie of the year, all pro and pro bowl. I knew what the pro bowl was because the game would come on. But I, when I really sat and just thought about it, I'm like, bro, that's big. Like pro bowl, like all pro, everybody can't make that. So like, so. What do you think about goal. the What do you think about the matchup this week? You got Wallen on the other side, and then you got Kobe Bryant, who uh, you played with, you teamed uh, with at Cincinnati. Man, those two great player, two great players. Uh, Willing, I think he got like he got six interceptions. Yeah. Right now. You know, he been doing this thing. Uh, I be seeing on social media they be wanting <laughs> us to go at it. I had made a tweet and was like, I didn't want to say his name, but with the Pro Bowl situation, but uh, you know, he a great player. I feel like the fans, the Seahawks fans, be trying to make it something it's not. And uh, Kobe, that's my dog. You know, we locked in forever. No, um, I don't really be doing jersey swaps, but I feel like that's gonna be he gonna be somebody I do a jersey swap with for sure. That's gonna that's gonna happen. Every week another great receiver. You could see two this week if Lockett's back in the lineup. But have you thought about potentially lining up a few times against DK Metcalf? Oh yeah, definitely, man. He a great physical receiver. You know his body type is kind of like different. You know he ain't the average size of a receiver. No, no, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I've been watching tape. He make a lot of plays. You know, he's very strong, speed. He got speed, run good routes. I'm looking forward to it, though. How cool is this that you guys still have a possibility here? Yeah, I mean, you've lost four in a row. Nobody's happy about that, but there are two games right. remaining. You win those two games and the Patriots lose or tie one. The Jets are in the playoffs and saw so Gardner's rookie season. And that's big. No, um, Coach Salah always talked to us about, like like I said, being where our feet are, you know, taking it one day at a time, one week at a time. So that's all I can really do. And, you know, um, the defense, we just keep t- chopping wood every day, man, trying to get better and better, watching the film. You know, like I said, taking it one week at a time. We try not to get too ahead of ourselves. Amazon Prime had the game last week, Jets, Jaguars. Richard Sherman's part of that broadcast team. Do you have an opportunity to chop it up with him at all? Yeah, we definitely chopped it up, man. We was talking a little bit of ball before the game, joking a little bit. You know, he's a, he a funny guy, but at the same time, you know, he was a great player when he was playing. And, you know, I still be watching this tape. Um, my coach right now, Coach Odin, I, I believe he coached Sherm for like a year. So he, he be sending me tape of Sherm, you know, some good things he do in the run game, pass game, high point in the ball, doing a lot of things. So, you know, I still definitely watch him. What do you like about Sherm's film? Man, he just 
he knew it was coming before it came, before it happened. You know, what I mean, that was one thing I seen. Like, especially if he was playing off coverage, by certain splits, he knew what route was coming. He knew what route to anticipate. You know, uh, by the D and D, he knew what con concepts to expect. You know, so those was, was the main thing. I was like, dang, how did he know that, coach? Like, man, he was just he made love. He he told me he made love to the film. So uh, you know, I pride myself in doing the same thing. That's cool. Uh, how about Darrell Rivas? He's a semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and Word. he spent time with you guys this year. What was it like the interaction with Reef? Man, it was crazy, man. Like he was a guy I used to go on YouTube, type his name in, and see him shutting guys down before I even started playing corner. Like this when I was playing receiver, so I used to see like, man, what am I gonna expect when I get to the NFL? Cause I thought I was gonna be a receiver, yeah. But I always had the mentality that I was gonna go to the league. So I was always saying, "Yeah, he's strong, but he ain't gonna be able to guard me." You know what I mean? But uh, he was a great, great guy, extremely humble. Like I said, uh, he, him and him and Sherm had that similarity. You know, they watched a lot of tape and they knew it was coming. Like um, I forgot who it was, but it was a, it was a coach for the Jaguars or a guy that worked for the Jaguars, and I guess he coached Sherm. He told me like. Sherm knew everything that was coming mm. before it even happened. Like, even in walkthrough, if one of the scout receivers wasn't at the right split and ran a certain route, he was stopping and tell them to get where they got to be, you know, because he wanted to get the look. And he was saying, like, even in walkthrough, he wasn't allowing them to catch no passes. So, you know, he took he took a lot of pride in that. But it was it was great to be able to spend a lot of time with him, man, and just watch what he did. Hey, making that transition to the pros, obviously you still play a lot of man. But you probably have played more zone this year than since he asked you to do last year. Uh, how have you been able to adjust really well? But is that because I think probably a doubter would come out and say, "Yeah, Gardner's really good in man press. Is he going to thrive in those zone situations?" And you've shown the ability to do that. You're natural in both. Um, I had to give thanks to my coach, Coach Oden. You know him just being able to help teach me how to play certain techniques. Help teach me the scheme here. You know, that's the main reason because, like, in the offseason, I could have went anywhere else and worked on some man off man and some press man, but I stayed here and was getting work, you know, so that way I could adapt to the scheme. And that's why I'm able to do it at a high level. Favorite video game right now? Gotta say Call of Duty, Warzone. Top five characters, Call of Duty all time. Characters? Yeah. I don't know. Like, what you mean by characters? Um, it, it, as far as Call of Duty, who who would you want to be? I mean, who, who like the the operators yeah. that you can play with? Yeah. Okay, so Snoop Dogg was in there. Okay, I don't know too many operators, but you got you got Snoop Dogg. What was uh, he like? He was cool. He had I think he had like a leather jacket on, a little top hat on his head. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, it was nice for sure. Uh, it's a skin called a rose skin. So, like, it's, like, all black. Right. So you can't really see. You can hide in the corners if you have to. Uh, I like the ghost skin. Uh, I don't know too many other ones. Okay. I don't know too many other ones. But will you go home and play tonight? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to hop on there tonight. Twitch? I don't know if I'm going to be on Twitch today. Probably tomorrow. I love doing that, though, being able to interact with the fans. You know, that's great. Hey, 
Uh, really appreciate you coming up to the studio today. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Sauce Gardner. WinBet is bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, they have what you need to win. Jets fans in New Jersey, sign up today and use promo code XJETS. And after placing your first $100 wager, you will receive $100 to bet with. You will receive a $50 free bet and a $50 casino bonus. Again, the promo code is XJETS. Offer subject to change. Offer only available in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 or older to participate. Please visit winbet.com to view welcome offers available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Without further ado, let's bring in the mad backer, Bart Scott. Hey, you just missed your guy, Sauce Gardner, was in here inside the studio. Well, you know what? He's representing for Detroit you know, the city of Gomes, you know, quite, quite well, right? Um, he comes from a historical um, high school, high school that gets a lot of respect out of Detroit. Braylon Edwards went there for a brief moment. You know, Anthony Adams, a.k.a. Spice Adams, went there. And because of his emergence, he's kind of one up my, my high school that comes from Will Golson and Jonathan Hankins. So we, we need somebody else from my high school to kind of come up in the ranks so we can kind of square it even. Are you surprised how quickly he's made this transition appear seamless? The guy leads all defensive backs, everybody in the National Football League, in PDs. And sometimes teams aren't even targeting him now. He's getting the Revis treatment. I mean, he's getting a lot of respect early on. He's earned it, right, because of his length and his competitive nature, right? Like I say all the time, what's built lasts longer than what's born. And, you know, he has a competitive nature. He comes from a place – in Detroit, and I don't, I'm not just kind of throwing Detroit out there, but let me explain to our, our viewers how a football game in high school or peewee league is played in the city of Detroit. You know, it's surrounded by all the alumni that went there before. I don't care if you went to the pros or you didn't. I mean, I've watched Gilbert Brown, Jerome Bennett, and guys come back and, like, put money on Little League games or bet for Little League games or stack the deck when it's time for cap time. People take that personal. Because it's not only it's like it's a territorial thing, right? It's like, hey, we're from this part of Detroit. We're better than this side, you know. So like, I, I laugh all the time when I go back to Detroit. You know, my mother is at the picnic class of '68, '69. I don't know which which year it is. Well, '60. She just told me in the back of my in my ear <laughs> that '69, right? And then I'm class of '98. And then it's like, so it's like that type of pride. It's almost. Um, it's like a territorial thing, right? So it's like it's competitive because you have everybody that's been there before showing up for these games, whether they come back to Detroit or not. And it's real tense. It's almost like basketball where the trash talking is at a whole new level. That's why every person that anybody kind of recognize or know from Detroit, whether it's basketball, football, they talk too much. It's not just that it's a, it's, it's a Detroit thing. Because that's kind of how we grow up. We grew up in a pressure cooker where we're going to tell you what we're going to do, and we're going to do it. So the fact that he was talking, he was yapping, he already knew. The truth is the truth. So he already knew that he was the truth. So he didn't mind having a confidence being bold enough to tell you. Because when you talk like that, you have to, you have to, to back it up. But if you're able to back it up, your name will rise to the top like cream early because they say he said it and he did it. 
right? So I wasn't surprised with his competitive nature because also, like most guys from Detroit, whether it's Antonio Gates, Larry Foote, you know, what happens is Jerome Bennis, right, whoever. What happens is he was overlooked. So he has that mentality and that attitude, but he was shunned because whether he'll tell you it or not, nobody first choice is University of Cincinnati to play football. He went there with something to prove, and he made it out of the University of Cincinnati, but he couldn't wait for the opportunity to prove to everybody else that he was worthy to be at Alabama. He was worthy to be at LSU, Clemson, and all those places, and that he wants to remind them that they chose wrong. That's how what much, Detroit is all about. So how much do you love the style and the swagger that he brings to the table? Hey, man, if you give him some protein shakes <laughs> and, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> – you, you fatten them up a little bit, you get the same type of rhetoric that you heard from me, the same rhetoric that you heard from Chris Jenkins, right? Remember Chris Jenkins, big man, talk too much, crazy all over the place. It's just it's just how we are built in Detroit. We don't hey, mind being bold and braggadocious and loquacious. Uh, uh, speaking about bold and braggadocious and loquacious, I'll never forget. I use all my college words too. That's all I got. <laughs> I got no more left. Uh, never, yeah, uh, of course, because you didn't go to the University of Michigan or Michigan State. Hey, listen, <laughs> I'll never forget Floyd Mayweather, who's got some Michigan roots himself. Grand, Grand Rapids from the state of David Harris. David Harris is the only one from Detroit, by the way, that no, don't talk. Who doesn't talk. That's right. So Floyd comes here. Uh, you guys are having a practice. And after the practice, uh, the guys in the locker room are literally having a conversation saying who could take Floyd. And Chris Jenkins was so mad because people were making an argument and saying, hey, listen, if Floyd stood up, he'd take care of you. And Chris Jenkins saying, listen, dude, I'd crush him with one hand. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, I'm 380 and I have two and a half abs. And Whatever he hit me with, them little baby knuckles ain't going to hurt me. And he probably was right. They have weight classes for a reason. I agree with that. Hey, uh, let's touch upon a couple things here. Let's go across the way and talk about DJ Reed. How disappointed were you because you've been talking about DJ Reed throughout the season, not just for a Pro Bowl case, but for an All-Pro case. Uh, uh, All-Pro uh, all case. How disappointed were you that DJ Reed – did not get that Pro Bowl invite. I mean, extremely disappointing. But, you know, I've seen this movie before. He's new to the conference, meaning that he's fresh to the AFC, coming from the NFC. So the name recognition isn't strong. He's playing at a high level, but the team isn't in first or second place, so the eyes aren't on him like they should be. Sauce has a funky nickname. He came in with a lot of, um, a lot of hype, and he's lived up to the hype and maybe exceeded the hype. But DJ isn't a self-promoter. He's a quiet guy. So a lot of times that won't get the eyes on you, right? Him talking about what he did to, I think, uh, Justin Jefferson was probably the first time we've heard him speak and pound his chest about himself. Um, with that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if the voters voted him second team or first team all pro, mm. which is way more uh, important than you talk about Pro Bowls. Pro Bowls are, is a popularity contest. And, just so people out there that's listening to this podcast understand, players routinely vote for people that they know isn't going to make it because they want their guy to make it. So you can't really take the players' votes seriously. That's why it comes down to the fans. The fans' votes is more about a popularity contest. The only one that should be somewhat true, and I would be surprised if 
Coaches don't do this to a certain extent as well. Try and screw it so it can come to their guys. So it's, it's, a, it's an unfair system, and it's not really based on facts and performance. It's based on re- name recognition. Example in Exhibit A and B is the fact that Marlon Humphreys has played well, not Pro Bowl caliber. That secondary mm-hmm. has given up extreme high numbers in the past game. You talk about giving up the 21-point lead to uh, – Miami early in the game, they've given up some, had some nasty games where they struggled as a pass defense, right? And also, Xavier Howard would be the first one to tell you that he was more shocked than anybody that he was a uh, pro bowler this year. Those are a spot that, you know, I would be, you know, that I would suggest that DJ Reed should have been in because those two guys didn't live up to the expectation. Now, you think about Sauce, you think about Patrick Sertan, they're well-deserving because Patrick Sertan and that defense it's amazing out there in Denver, especially with the circumstances of Russell Wilson playing like he's played this year. All right, we're not going to talk about the Broncos. We we don't need any coal in that Christmas stocking. Uh, I love it when you take us inside the locker room, though, and really are forthcoming about the way it works. And in turn, in this example, you're saying, "Hey, listen, Pro Bowl voting." Sometimes they vote for the worst guy out there because they want their teammate to make the Pro Bowl. All right, so that makes a lot of sense. Speaking of Christmas, a lot of presents under the Jets tree this weekend. They get handled by Jacksonville at home, and it looked bleak, their playoff chances. What do you think about the postseason possibilities now after Miami loses to the Packers? New England loses to Cincinnati. We know that Tennessee's not going to impact the Jets, but Cleveland lost. You have tiebreakers over Pittsburgh. You don't have to worry about them. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders are not going to make a miraculous run. Right now, if the Jets win their final two games at Seattle, at Miami, and the Patriots lose or tie once to either Miami or the Bills, the Jets make the postseason. Yeah, I mean, you talk about backing your way into the postseason. At some point, the Jets are going to have to handle their business. Yes. Good news on the front, Mike White is cleared. He's going to have an opportunity to play. And then the Jets should be excited you know, because this is the second lease on life, right? And you talk about – and, you know, I'm familiar with this scenario. 2009, um, if, Atlanta. Right, 2009, you know, Atlanta, lose to Atlanta, tough last-second play. We thought we were done, and it turned out that, hey, we had another opportunity. Now the Jets are going to have to figure out, you know, how do they take care of their business? And, you know, some things that concerned me a little bit and it showed their their youth uh, was guys coming with Grinch outfits on and mm-hmm. guys coming with bunny outfits on. They That just let me know that they didn't have the experience, even though Azama had been in the playoffs the, the week before. But you, you have to understand, it is a totally different level when you are trying to go to the playoffs. The Jets have essentially been in the playoffs the last three weeks and they haven't had the, they had the opportunity to, to win. I bet you this week it's going to be more focused. It's got to be focused. It's got to be everything you've got. I understand that the holidays and new year's here, that means absolutely nothing because you guys made a commitment to yourself early, early this year to be able to have an opportunity to shock the world, to be ahead of, ahead of schedule. And you have to push all that aside. I don't want to see any smiles on faces. I want to see guys coming in business workmen like, pissed off with the opportunity to say, listen, that team over there in Seattle has something that not only we want, but we need. And I will not leave this place without what I came for. And that's a W. That's the mindset that you have to have the entire week. 
Man, I, I love your energy. You must have got a lot of sleep Christmas Eve and Christmas night. Listen, what's got to change offensively, though, for the Jets? We know Mike White is going to return to the lineup. He will start against the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. But it's more than just a quarterback, correct? So tell me what you're seeing by watching the Jets the last couple weeks. You even can go back. White well, moved the football, but the Jets scored one offensive touchdown right. in Minnesota and one offensive touchdown in Buffalo. Well, in the absence of Mike White, the Jets have been looking for a lot of answers. And yes. one of the answers was trying to put Strebler up. And I believe that gives him a unique ability to play situational football. And also it takes more time for other teams to have to prepare for a Wildcat type of package. And you continue to grow that Taysom Hill type of, type of package. It's going to help you on the goal line, right? It's going to help you on the goal line. It's going to help you in the red zone. It's going to help you with short yardage. Now you have a situational player, much like we had Brad Smith, who can utilize that skill set, but still will have the quarterback pedigree. Like you can't, you you can't expect Strebler to play a whole quarter, a whole half, but you expect him to come in and make defenses be on their heels. Now the reason why you know the rest of the team struggled is because it was a lack of respect for the uh, football acumen of the quarterback, which meant mean that they manned up on the outsides and they brought an extra man in the box. And the, uh, you know, the effects of that means that they, you know, the run game struggle. With Mike White there, if they dare to put eight or nine men in the box, that creates a lot of one-on-ones on the outside. And because he's so good at getting the ball out of his hands and having pre-snap recognition, that should make the running game even better. So the offense should flourish again because now teams are going to have to play honest and they're going to have an opportunity, you know what I mean, to show up and show out. Secondly, I hope that part of the narrative is – that, hey, Sauce is supposed to be the rookie of the year, but on the other side, it's a young man that has made a case for himself to be rookie of the year. And I believe his name is Woolen. He's fifth Tariq round Wallen. Wallen, right? So yeah. I hope that means that Sauce steps up and leaves no doubt that he's the better player because he's going against, listen, Lockett and Metcalf is a handful, and they give you problems in different ways. One's physically gifted, fast, strong, much like T.O., and the other one is fast and quick like a Marvin Harris with the ability to take the top off the defense. So I think this will be a great opportunity for Sauce to show his versatility in being able to stop guys that are great at the receiver position but have different attributes. What's your take on Geno? Why has he been able to flourish this season? Obviously, he gets an opportunity. He played his first four seasons with the Jets. Feels like a lifetime ago, but his numbers are off the chart. He completely yeah, he's, listen, listen, he's been in the same system. Yep. He had low expectations, and he inherited a, a great offensive line, right? The, the, the Seattle Seahawks, outside of the Jets, probably had the best draft outside of the Jets this year. When you talk about instant um, productivity from young players, their right tackle and left tackle are home runs, and they got them in a draft. They have a Great running back. Sounds familiar? They got a great running back in, in Kenneth Walker, the second from Michigan State. From right? Michigan State, yes. <laughs> they, 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 they hit there, right? They found a, a, a cornerback that played receiver in college, much like Richard Sherman. So they, they knew that they, you know, for their system, that type of player would be effective. They hit on that. So you, you look at what they've been able to do and the fact that, you know, because of the trade, they were able to get, you know, fat, able to get a good defensive tackle. It plugged up a lot of holes, and now they, listen, much under, like, I mean, listen, this is going home. 
right? This, this is going home. This is where Salah was born, right? This is when we first started to notice Robert Salah. Right. Yeah. Pete, with so, Pete Carroll, that 2011 right. through the 13. Yep. Exactly. So you talk about this team's going to be mentally tough. They believe in running the football. It's going to be mere images of each other. And it's going to come down to who's going to be able to make the plays. Right. And Geno Smith has been able to inherit a, a pretty good football team. And remember, he wasn't the guy. They thought they believed in Drew Locke because they had scouted him coming out and they believed in him. And Geno Smith took the job and never let go of it. And he may be the long term solution for that team. And they still have a little bit to fight for. Now, I know it's still bleak for them, but, you know, they, they're looking at, hey, we've got to win these two games a week for us to have an opportunity to go to the postseason. So you have two teams that are extremely hungry. You have two teams that have to have it, and the Jets are going to have to be mentally tough to be able to win in this type of environment. You consider the 12th man, but the Jets have proven that they are much better on the road, actually, than they are at home. No one shows Similar situations because both these teams are 7-8. and eight. The mm-hmm. Seahawks started six and three. The Jets started seven and four. The Jets are the eighth seed in the AFC. I believe right now Seattle might be. No, actually, I think Seattle's the eighth seed and the Jets are the ninth seed. Regardless, bottom line is tomatoes, tomatoes. Yeah. What do you think about the matchup for the Jets defensively against the Seattle offense? You got to give Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, a lot of credit the way they attacked the Jets. I thought they were better on the line of scrimmage. You don't see many teams attack the Jets and say, we're going to run the ball 24 times in an opening half the way they did. Seattle's a different offense, but you mentioned Walker before. He can run the football. They do have options. They have options on they have options on the outside. What do you think about the Seattle defense against the Jets? I mean, the Seattle offense against the Jets defense. I mean, I think they're going to look at that. Um, they're going to look at that Jacksonville film, and they're going to try and utilize that game plan. And what that game plan was was having a lot of man beaters and understanding what the Jets were trying to do. And they just rub routed them and cross ran crossing routes and got them mixed up with short motion, yo yo motion, using the linebackers and making them change strength. The Jets are going to have to have defenses where it can be man-to-man, but it's where you end up. When you talk about – I don't like flopping the linebackers because what happens is when they run the ball at you and you're moving and changing strength because they change strength, it messes with your eyes. So a simple run, it allows you not to be able to see your keys like traditionally you would be able to see your keys because you saw Quincy and you saw saw CJ flopping as motion was coming left to right and also Carter left and right. And, you know, a lot of pick plays – a lot of, you know, um, plays that kind of forced them to kind of communicate post-snap and pre-snap. So I expect Seattle to do much of the same because they have a, a tight end that can move around and that can catch, you know, the ball in space when you think about um, no offense. No offense, yep. And meanwhile, on the outside, you're going to have your hands full with the two outside guys. So, they, you know, Locke is a guy that moves around. You know, he's a, he's a burner. So they're going to have to make sure that they create a scheme. I would like to see them have a scheme with more – hole droppers, bit of a cover three where they're inverting their safeties so they can help some guys if somebody you know runs by somebody and they can replace if they're running guys horizontally and trying to pick guys off. If you insert a safety in there, he can make somebody right. Mike White, he gets the rock. Joe Flacco is going to be the backup quarterback on Sunday. You want a package in there for Strevler. Perhaps that helps the Jets inside the red zone because you referred to it and before. short yardage. Yeah, 
And again, he can create some more space for you where that field shrinks inside the red zone. What would you say in terms of the opportunity that Mike White has in front of him, not only regular season wise, but just looking at his career, what potentially could be? Well, he's a he's a free agent. So if he's able to manufacture, you know, great offense and also lead his team to the playoffs, then he's saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm a potential starter out here. You know, I'm not just some backup, some journeyman. You know, it maybe took me a while to figure it out. But listen, I can be a starter for you. And there's a lot of uh, teams out there that are in need of a quarterback. So all he needs is two teams to be able to force the Jets to have to make a tough decision and have to be able to, to reward him with a long-term contract. Uh, I imagine he's going to be wearing something to protect the ribs. Does that have any impact on you? You probably never worn that before, but you know guys who have. Well, he's just, he's just got to be smarter, right? You know, I, I understand and I appreciate the fact that he's willing to stand in the pocket to, to, to deliver the football, but it's still ways to be able to take care of yourself, to be able to chuck and duck, what we call it. We've seen Peyton Manning, Tom Brady do it. He has to understand. Sometimes he just has to throw the ball away and he doesn't have to stay in that pocket and take the type of punishment. But with that being said, they're going to have to, I think, really do some unique type of uh, blocking. I think a lot of turn protection so that if anything happens, it, it, the pressure's coming from the outside and not up the middle where, you know, the, the impact of a blow is a lot harder. And, you know, if I'm him too, I'm, I'm selling. I'm, I'm acting like Robert. I'm acting like Manu Ginobili. Somebody hit me. I'm falling <laughs> down, flopping like a fish. We saw Mac and Cheese do it early in the, in the first matchup. Oh, I don't match it, Mac Jones. <laughs> no, no. What I'm saying is, he, you want to flop like a fish. Somebody hit you or touch you, 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 you ah, you just you, you got to you got to over embellish. Don't be super tough because remember, we just watched uh, Phillips, you know, get a, get a yesterday get a, a personal foul for shoving um, Aaron Rodgers, right? Yep. So you make sure that they call it the right way. You know what I mean? If everybody else is using it and, and utilizing, you should do it too. Sometimes so act is part of the job. Uh, you, you're, uh, this is not a World Cup recap, but uh, Bart says, hey, embellishing might be part of the National Football League a little bit, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's what it is. So you either, you know, when in Rome, do what the Romans do. So if you got to flop like a fish, you know what I'm saying? I like you can't move for a little bit, go in the blue tent, you know, let them know, hey, he's hitting my guy late. I bet All you right. they'll slow up. Hey, let's end here because you got a lot of family activities to take care of. Um, what do you think about uh, C.J. Mosley said after the game against the Jaguars that we didn't match our intensity? I, I, it's a two-parter because I'm looking ahead to these final two games starting with Seattle. Yeah. The Miami game doesn't matter unless you beat the Seahawks. We know that. Do you think just White's insertion back into the lineup should give the Jets a spark going into this game? And do you anticipate that they'll come out – you know, with more fire. Because I hate when people say, you, you've been in a locker room before and you've lost games and people will say, well, you guys flat. And I think sometimes we use that term too much. Yeah, but I what did you C see? I think CJ's yeah. using the term flat as well. Because, I mean, you talk about early in the possession, being able to get a turnover inside of Jacksonville's uh, territory and how deflating it was to kick a field goal, to lose yeah. yards, right? And I think, you know, sometimes you see like, oh, it's going to be one of those days, right? You know, you've been waiting for a turnover. You're able to get the turnover, and it's by your defensive leader that just got back. Nobody came out flat. What happened is the game plan for Jacksonville caused hesitation, right? And sometimes when you're in the fight, you're in the game, 
you can't understand what's happening to you. I can mm. see it plain as day because I'm from the outside looking in. I'm watching it as a TV analyst. See, but they're so close to it. And sometimes the coordinator is so close to it. It's hard to make those adjustments. You know, how to figure out when do I insert a whole player? They would have inserted a whole player would have helped them out a lot and put the pressure on the outside guys because even when Trevor Lawrence kind of t- took off, it would have gave them the extra low defender so they can have eyes on him and also have one guy on both sides of the center so that he couldn't utilize and hurt them like he did with his legs. You know, so it wasn't that they were flat. Sometimes the other team on a short week just has a better game plan. And it's really tough to adjust on the fly, especially when you haven't had a whole week of preparation as a staff and as a team to kind of really gear in on what they do and say, okay, well, this is what they're doing today. This is how we have to play. And sometimes you got to throw the entire game plan out and say, you know what, we're going to play matchup zone and we're not going to let them dictate to us. You know, short story, you know, uh, Coughlin and whenever we played the Giants when we were with Rex used to do that all the time, especially when I was with Baltimore. They would yo-yo motion to get you to get your lineman to shift because they knew once the once the tight end came off, that means that we have a check and we alert, change the strength, and our lineman will go. So they would short motion to the center, and then our lineman will move, and then they'll hurry up and yo-yo motion and snap the ball, and you get guys basically blocking themselves because they put themselves behind to the other side, but it's not a, it's not really a shift. So we had to start calling stuff that didn't was affected by yo-yo motion or short motion. And that's how we have to play certain teams. But you have to have the experience with each other to understand that. And because this group is young, because this group has a lot of free agents that just did this, right, they they don't understand, you know, how, how to adjust on the fly because they don't have the collective experience. In a couple of years, teams can do everything and they're being seen everything. And then they'll be able to adjust to it on the fly. Remember, we did this like this when this team did this, and they'll be able to tell each other, "Okay, we, it's one of those games. We're gonna pull out our old game plan." You know, that's why the goat is the goat because no matter what you throw at him, he's like, "Man, the Ravens did this to me in 2002. Right. <laughs> I've seen this before." Or yeah. you know, the Bears did this in, t- in in 2005. You know what I mean? Or the Falcons did this when we played them in the Super Bowl. And that's kind of, you know, like I say, veterans are veterans, not because they've never made mistakes. It's because they've seen everything and they've learned from those mistakes. So they anticipate what's going to happen. That speaks to the importance of continuity. And hopefully the Jets are going to have that as we move ahead with this young, talented roster. Do you anticipate a one-score game Sunday? You, you, nah, you anti- no, nah. Nope, because I expect body blows and then I expect explosion. Right, I expected okay. to show off with like start to like a fill out process, but I guarantee you both teams are gonna have some tricks up their bag, understanding, you know, kind of how both teams of philosophy believe and they're gonna use their knowledge against them. Well, all right. All right, well, somebody gotta come out on top and maybe it's by knockout. That's what the mad backers said. Hey, enjoy your day with your family and say say hello to your mom for us. Will do. <laughs> <laughs>